Sarah's welcome back to She's Becoming, a mirror podcast of multi-generational women setting God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on culture, doctrine, church history, and more on whatever podcast platform you typically use. And make sure you follow our podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you can get notifications when we post a new episode, which is every other Monday. And make sure that you are following us on Instagram at She's Becoming Podcast so that you can get additional resources um, about the episodes we do and so you can engage with us and we do giveaways and sometimes we go live on there and we do a lot of fun stuff. Well, I am your co-host, Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co-host, Bev. Hi, Delaney. I have a question for you to start off. We always like to start off with more of a personal type question, Mm -hmm. just to kind of check in with each other where you are with the Lord. I think that that's an important thing we can do for each other. And the question for you today, Delaney, is in your study of Daniel, what has the Lord shown you multiple times? What, What do you think is he really hammering home to you personally that you're you're applying in your life obedience Ooh. like even when it costs me something even when no one's looking like we see that with Daniel, that's integrity that mm-hmm. he prays three times a day like what you know i want to obey and i want to follow the lord even when no one's around um i want to do it of course in public settings too, but I want to do it publicly and privately. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is something that the Lord keeps bringing to mind just as I live my life. Like it's something I'll think about when I'm alone too of like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm following the Lord when no one else is here too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. In fact, I've heard integrity um, defined as you're the same person in private that you are in public. Mm. So that those are some really key important thoughts. And certainly Daniel yeah. He, his obedience revealed that integrity and that character. Um, and scripture, when, when the old when the Old Testament too, like says these descriptions, it's really important because a lot of Old Testament narrative doesn't give any descriptions. It just like you know about people personally. It just says this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what right. happened. And so when Daniel keeps saying these same things, like you know, he has wisdom, he has discernment, like, Mm -hmm. and it's showing these things. I mean, that's like something to pay attention to. It certainly is. His character, doing a character study of Daniel is really an important thing. I remember uh, once a woman shared with me that her son was struggling at school not to go along with the crowd. Mm. And um, we were talking about scriptures and I said, go to Daniel. Yeah. Take that young man through Daniel and let him see as an example a man a young man who stood in a godless society. And uh, um, the husband did do that, and it was very helpful for That's that awesome. young man. So what a great book, and the yeah. lessons are so huge, and I, I love what you're getting from it. And um, we're on episode three of our four-part mini-series on Daniel. We are. It's going through the book of Daniel, and so we've been posting every Monday just for these four episodes. So now we're on our third Monday, and we'll have an episode next week, and then we'll go back to our every other Monday normal schedule. That's right. So that's where we are, and where we are in the book. If you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to all the the two previous episodes podcasts where you'll get teachings on Daniel 1 through 6. And today we're going to talk about Daniel 7 and 8. So this is really starting a new sexual section of the book of Daniel. Previously in Daniel, we've been reading and studying narrative. In other words, like telling history, telling what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, The early chapters really focus more on the career of Daniel in chronological order. 
But now, starting in chapter 7, there is a change to the more prophetic and distant future. Chapter 7 is the connecting of these two divisions with prophecy of the present and then reaches into the future. Chapter 8 goes further into the future, and chapters 9 through 12 go into the very distant future, although it could be closer than we think. Yeah, we never know. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's easy to love the first half of this book, to tell you the truth, yeah. and get so much application for our lives. But the second half of the book is very overwhelming for most. Yeah, there's a lot of details and a lot of kind of bizarre images and yes, things to think true. about. <laughs> it's true. And it, we've been scratching our heads and having to study hard even to do chapters 7 and 8, just the connecting chapters on all of this big time <laughs> prophecy, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, we hope to break it down for you in simple terms for today. And then the next podcast, podcast number four of the series of of Daniel Resolved, um, is going to be a series that we're going to bring in Jeff Verdorn, who many of you know as a, a real... Uh, end times expert. End times expert is a great mm-hmm. way to put it. A prophecy expert who's really going to help us in these final chapters. He could talk for hours mm-hmm. on all of these truths, but we're going to try to just narrow it down so that we get the big ideas from each of these visions. And Jeff has said that, you know, chapter nine is of the most importance. Yeah. So we'll really be concentrated on one chapter, but getting the overall uh, view of these end time prophecies mm-hmm. that are in this book. So look forward to that. Look forward to hearing from Jeff and what an honor that will be to have him here teaching all of you and us. Mm-hmm. So, Delaney, take us through chapter 7, if you would, um, which is a repetitive dream of Nebuchadnezzar, but now it's pictured in a different way. Chapter 7 also gives us a picture of, amazingly, the throne of God and of Christ as the Son of Man. So, exciting things to cover here. Go ahead. Chapter 7 is really interesting. There's some pictures of heaven that I had not heard before or read before, I guess, until I started reading and studying this chapter. It's kind of buried in there. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to not know where it is or to kind of just keep reading with the storyline as it goes. But Mm -hmm. it's there and it's magnificent. It is. It's really (laughs) cool. So the prophecy in chapter 7 of Daniel is transhistorical. These visions from here to the end of the book could have come to Daniel at any time. The big picture in this chapter and really in the rest of Daniel is that God is in control of history and the future. He's sovereign over all kingdoms and countries. We will keep repeating this. The sovereignty, the sovereignty of, God. of God. And you get to see that in so many different ways in the book of Daniel. So God's plan for the future will continue until the culmination of all history, the coming of the Lord's anointed, the Messiah. The Messiah will have an eternal kingdom that will fill the earth forever, which is really exciting and should be really reassuring to our, to us as God's people. Like this should provide a lot of security for us and remind us of God's sovereignty. The world is not spinning out of control, even though we feel <laughs> like that every day. We feel like that a lot. Each day, though, it is in marching in line with what God's planned has planned for the future. That's so good to know and so important to know. Yeah. Because we can become so discouraged. um, We we drop out of the race. We Mm -hmm. drop out of the fight and we just kind of give in to culture or we retreat into our bubbles. Yeah. And I think we see the sinfulness of culture and we we can start to 
believe lies that God doesn't see it or that God's just letting it happen or that God's not doing anything. Yeah. He doesn't care. It's, he's not concerned, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, it, it's, it's not so serious because we don't see. There's a scripture, and I don't know where it is. I looked that up. That says, because judgment is delayed, it encourages you to sometimes to sin mm. because of the delay in judgment. Mm. But we know it's coming. It is coming. Mm-hmm. The first eight verses in Daniel 7 describe for us the succession of kingdoms, starting with the one that Daniel was living in, Babylon. After the visions, Daniel asks the heavenly one standing with him the meaning of the vision, and he does interpret these for Daniel, which is really interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? It's Twice. very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in two different parts, he is describing this, and he just answers Daniel's questions, too. Daniel's like, I want to know about this, yeah. and he answers it, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. So now, instead of a statue, like in chapter 2 that Neb dreamt of and that Daniel interpreted, we have those kingdoms pictured not as like metals, but as something similar to animals. So Daniel sees, in his vision, Daniel sees four great beasts coming out of the sea. The first is Babylon and is pictured as a lion with the wings like eagles. The animal is depicted as powerful and really intimidating. Its wings are torn off, which coincides with Neb being removed and becoming like a beast for a period of time until he acknowledged God as supreme and sovereignly in control. Following this kingdom comes a second one depicted to look like a bear, raised up on one side, and its teeth had like three, was like three ribs, which is I, I honestly had a hard time picturing that. And then he, it says it, to, to go and devour flesh. Yeah, he was so aggressive. Imagine how terrifying these visions were. These creatures yeah. were not like kitties. Everyone wants to be a prophet <laughs> until you get these yeah. scary dreams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this and the bear was like really like aggressive and like yeah. kind of gives you get like a violent feeling. Truly. Um, and so this beast fits the Mede and Persian Empire. The bear was raised on one side because the Persians were more powerful. And then three ribs demonstrate their conquests of Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt. So very specific also we say we see in this. Yes. The third beast looked like a leopard. It had four wings of a bird and it had four heads and was given dominion. Picture that. It's just as bizarre as that must have looked to him. We need a photo. Honestly, I, I wonder we if we some? could, we should have searched the internet. On our, it doesn't in, do much Instagram. good on a podcast. I know. Just <laughs> not many sure. visual images. We'll put it on Instagram. There you go. There we go. Maybe we'll find those. Most believe that this beast represents the Greek empire of Alexander the Great. Um, he was young and he came swiftly, you know, like a leopard kind of similar vibe. And he also conquered many regions, becoming the number one power of the day. And Alexander also tragically died when he was young. He had no heirs. And so the empire was divided up into um, just between like his four, four of his generals. The fourth and the final beast is described as terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. Twice it says mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It was different from the rest because it was having, it had 10 horns it had iron teeth that crushed any adversaries. Yikes. There's no specific animal that like it was alike. It was just described as a beast um, that had eyes like a human and a boastful mouth like out of this horn. Because there was the ten horns, and then it was like this one, like the main horn. I called him. I keep calling him the boastful horn. Yeah, that had the eyes and the mouth, and would just like say a bunch of stuff and like taunt God's people. As we'll see later. There is no, yeah, it's not like any segmentable, but while Daniel is like looking at the vision and pondering the beast, the little horn like grows up 
and uproots the three, like the other horns. And so most scholars feel like this last beast is depicting the empire of Rome. However, the little horn that appears and destroys other horns is now identified as a person. We see here reflections of the antichrist and his persecution of all God's people, but we do see that he will be destroyed in the end. So then Daniel has another vision immediately following the one of these scary four beasts and the scene changes to heaven. Daniel is shown a throne with the Ancient of Days seated on it. His clothing is as white as snow and his hair like pure wool. Okay, there's more visuals for us. Mm-hmm. We're getting a little glimpse into the throne room yeah, here. I love this. Ancient of Days, We he's been called, you know, the one true God. He's been called the heavenly um, host. It's just all his different names are so important for us to know and they symbolize different things that are true about him. So here he is, the Ancient of Days. The ancient Always of days. existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All existing one. His um, The throne that he was on was flaming with fire, and it wow. had wheels flaming with fire, too. Okay. So, hi, we're getting a picture of a oh, lot here. Yeah. Um, and then there was also a river of fire that flowed out before him. And it makes you really tremble at the greatness, the holy, the holiness, the purity of God as demonstrated in this picture. And I can see why Daniel was afraid Absolutely. <laughs> after these visions. And the fire, fire was a purification. Um, you would purify metals in fire. Mm-hmm. And this is really purification here and showing his holiness, his purity. Mm-hmm. It's it's very similar to the Isaiah 6 picture. Isn't it? With the burning coals, what that right. represents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we also see that thousands stood before him, before God. And the core is seated, the books were opened, and Revelation speaks of several books, the book of life and the book of deeds. But this picture of heaven is revealing a time of judgment represented by the fire the court the books like for evidence like you get this like real courtroom picture with evidence being presented and there's a timeliness on judgment and so daniel sees the results of the court the beast is destroyed into the blazing fire and stripped of all authority for a time Ugh, i don't like that last phrase for a time <laughs> for a time that means he there will be time yes mm-hmm. where he will where he will come and do more damage he will and then serving God's purposes. Yes. And Mm -hmm. always and never more powerful than God. No. So a change again in this heavenly vision. Daniel says it is now night. And then before him stood one like the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He was led into the presence of the ancient of days and given authority, glory and sovereign power over all nations and all peoples. And they all worshiped him. So now think about this. This is the third piece of this. Now we see the ancient of days giving the son of man all this power and authority and dominion. In other words, all that he has, the son has, the son of man has. Are we putting together who this is? I I think there's some good hints along the way here. So he will have the kingdom that will not pass away, that will never be destroyed. It's this everlasting kingdom that was also like talked about earlier in Daniel. Mm-hmm. It's this whole heaven rules picture. You're getting this picture of heaven ruling and how it's going to go down. Yeah. And this is just such a <clears throat> contrast to the kingdoms of men, like especially the ones that we just studied with all the different kings where their kingdoms were really temporary. Now we're getting to see what this is going to be like. Yeah, the true kingdom. Mm -hmm. Which also Daniel taught, we also talked about earlier in Daniel. 
And Jesus, of course, we know is the Son of Man. (laughs) Jesus referred to himself most often as the Son of Man, which is really interesting that that's how he also, what he also called himself. He chose to be called that. Mm -hmm. And he revealed himself to that, even to the religious leaders Mm -hmm. who tore their robes and said it's blasphemy because he was claiming to be God by using Mm -hmm. that term. So clearly, this is more than just. A person, a son of a person, a human. Son of man is a messianic, as you'll, you know, Mm -hmm. you've mentioned. So the Lord came to earth to identify with mankind so that he might be the representative of mankind. And so as the representative and as sinless as he became, he became the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He took on our sin. And then he died in our place so that we may be a part of his kingdom, this eternal kingdom. That is being prophesied about. and that we're seeing. We get to take part in this. And so he came here, Jesus came here so that we could go there. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Isn't that, it's easy to remember that. Yeah. He came here so we We can go go there. There There was no other way. That that spells the gospel out really simply, doesn't it? So this text is one of the most important prophecies of the Messiah. I mean, as we can see, we're getting a glimpse of heaven. We are, we're, we, we know we're getting a picture. Yes. We're getting a picture of, of. Jesus being God, but also God giving him authority. Like, And, you know, uh, Jesus often mentions and scripture mentions in the New Testament, I came from God. I yeah. came from heaven. Mm-hmm. The, I, he was constantly referring back to where he came from. Right. And here is a it's picture his, of him. This is where he came from. This is where he was. I mean, it all fits together so beautifully. And you can't argue with his divinity here no, either. No, no, Like this no, also proves they're, his they're, divinity. They're, they're co-reigning here. Totally. Yeah. So chapter seven, it, it sums up its truth in one verse. So listen, I'm going to read um, Daniel seven, verse 17. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. That's like forever (laughs) and ever. This is world history right there. And it gives you such great perspective for today. Right. Like kingdoms, what man, all that we do here on earth, you know, all this is passing away. It's hope for tomorrow, perspective for today. Oh, good. Like I can have hope that. God reigns and that God's kingdom will last forever. And that helps me get through today. Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely does. So who is is ultimately in control of history? Who ultimately is in control? I think this spells this out for us in such a great way. Who is in control of the future? Then why do we fear if we know that the ancient of days is in control, that we know that the son of man has given us, us ability to be in this kingdom eternally. Why do we fear and suffer unbelief in our circumstances today? The same God that is in chapter seven of Daniel is aware and at work in our circumstances today. I think the question is, will you trust him? Will I trust him? Mm-hmm. How can we have resolved to trust him? I think when we read something like Daniel seven, that should give us um, just a, a, a new way to, uh, should motivate us to have resolve. Well, yes, and um, also to have resolve, you need to have a high view of God. Mm. And this is specifically why it's placed there. It gives us a high view of who God is and who the Son of God, the Son of Man is. And that high view of God helps us to have that resolve as well. 
if we think God is our buddy and, you know, doesn't yes. wink at sin and his word is sometimes true, sometimes not, I mean, there's not going to be a high view of God and there's going to be no impetus to have resolve, to want to stand for truth, to be faithful and loyal to God and, and to depend on him. Rather, we depend on ourselves then because we, we don't have that high view of God. Right. We, we need, have a high view of ourselves. Yeah, we need to see God as superior and supreme and altogether better and more beautiful than we are. Altogether transcendent. We He's need to be totally in awe. different than we are. We need to be in awe. I think awe. we need to be in and awe of God him. to have resolve too, though. Yes, we do. You know, like we need to, we need to be in awe at the face of God. Yep. And that's uh, resolving with the fear of God is very important. Mm. That keeps us in line as to a right perspective on who he is and who we are. And the fact that he judges us too and will judge sin and that there's a judgment coming should also motivate us to have resolve to obey. Absolutely. That's God's grace to us. Mm -hmm. He's letting us know there, yes, a day is coming of reckoning Mm -hmm. for all mankind. And so when we look at culture right now, that should also like remind us and give us hope that like the evil that we are seeing right now in culture, that there will be an end and that people won't get away with the evil that they're perpetuating. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that at times where I feel um, there's been such unfairness. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's, God's going to set all things right. Mm. So it's beautiful. That's, that's comforting. This again, the sovereignty of God just, it oozes out of this book at every every every, every verse. Yeah. It just oozes out. It's beautiful. All right. Well, we got to move on. We got one more chapter to go here, chapter eight today. Um, this is a change in the book where it goes into Hebraic or Hebrew language and speaks of a very difficult future for the Jews ahead. Chapter eight. After about two years later, from Daniel's vision of chapter seven, Daniel receives another vision. Once again, we have animals that depict human leaders and their actions. So let's meet a ram and a goat. I don't know the difference. Do you know the difference? Um, does the ram have like the horns? The curly, the ones? curly horns? The curly horns. And then the goat would be a smaller, yeah. I Could guess we so. really need pictures? I, yeah, I need Just pictures. Just look on our for Instagram these. and yeah, you like I'm not up on my, my goats and rams. Yeah, we'll put it up there. Okay. So. What's helpful in this vision is that, like chapter 7, we are giving given an Thank interpretation. You, God. I know, yes. I know, because, you know, the ram and goat would even be more confusing, confusing yeah. and mysterious. But we do get the into this. But let's just summarize this vision that Daniel now sees. Daniel, at first, sees a ram with two horns, one being longer than the other. So it was uneven. Yeah, like, uneven. uneven uh-huh. horns. It was great, and it did as it pleased, as the description But then it goes on to say, suddenly a goat appears with a great horn between his eyes. What do you picture? Is it a unicorn I picture a unicorn. I mean, one horn, a great horn between his eyes. Is it glittery? That's what unicorns are, I think. It might be pink. (laughs) We don't know, honestly. Although this this unicorn doesn't sound so nice. Yeah, okay, maybe not. Yeah, not. Mm. Uh, So the goat now, you know, with with this big horn, this unicorn, between his eyes, attacks the ram and destroys the ram, and none could rescue it. The goat then becomes very powerful, and yet at the height of the power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up. There's so much stuff about horns. Horns is a symbol of power in Scripture. Hmm, I didn't catch that. Yeah, like the altar in the temple had horns on the four corners. 
Huh. Alter power. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we know from the interpretation given by Gabriel, an archangel, that the ram with two horns was the kingdom of the Medes and the per- Persians, who were overthrown by Alexander the Great from Greece. Alexander died, that great horn beha- between his eyes snapped off, and his kingdom then was divided and given to four of his generals because Alexander had no heir. So this is the third time we see this part of history Yeah, in the book. In the book. And I think it's like, you know, when people are studying Alexander the Great, or was it was his name Alexander the Great? Yes. Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. When they're from, studying from him, part of like studying him is like seeing this prophecy from Daniel. Right. Because this was prophesied way, like way before Alexander right. was ever alive. Right. So once again, it's another way that God is being showcased here yeah, through exactly. world events. Exactly. And he, and it's said three times, so pay attention. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. This is going to become even more important further down in history as we go through this chapter. Now, so we next learn of a little horn that started small but grew in power to the south and to the east of the beautiful land Israel. This horn grew out of one of the four generals. Hmm. What this is, this is one of those four generals that ruled Greece after Alexander was, after Alexander died. He wasn't killed, he died. Um, so it's a son of a general. Next comes specific prophecy as to how this horn or leader is now going to affect God's people who are once again in their own land at a future time. Whoa. So, boom, you know, it zooms us on in history. Mm -hmm. But again, Daniel is given this vision as a warning to his people. It's prophesied that this person, now this horn is a person, is evil and will have temporary power, and he's going to cause great persecution to God's people. Which is a theme with all of these people is they're going to have power for a time. It's always a limited power, and they're going to do a lot of damage, but it will end. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Kingdom after kingdom, person after person. So who is this evil person? Has he come already? Most people say yes. Most scholars agree that it was Antichus Epiphanes. He came into Israel and attempted to Hellenize Israel and the people. In other words, have them become Greek so he could Mm -hmm. control them and make them part of his kingdom. Hmm. He was out to conquer Hmm. this son of the general. He did this, He first of all, he plundered the city and its people. And we've seen this in world history where a, a leader, a, you know, a general will come in, a, a leader, and we will just take everything the people have, we plunder see, it. Well, we see it in the Old Testament several times through Israel's cycle of right. the judges and all of them. Yeah, They were, they were plundered. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler plundered the people in, yeah. in Europe. They took all the great artworks and... Uh, and then brainwashed them. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there's some parallel there, which we just don't have time to get into, but um, he he wanted to control them is what he really wanted to do. And so he not only plundered the people, he pl- plumbered the city, he uh, pl- plundered the city, <laughs> he killed many people, sadly. He desecrated the temple by building a statue of Zeus on its grounds. Wow. I mean, if you go to Greece, is and it I still love there? Greece, no, Zeus is like the God they talk about all the time. Yeah. I mean, I went on a tour of the, the history of Greece, and if I said to my husband, if I hear the word Zeus one more time, I'm going to scream. Yeah. I want to hear Jesus. Yeah. You know, but so Zeus was everything to them. Right. He was everything. 
Um, and he put it right on the grounds of the temple, if you can imagine. A foreign. It, it reminds you of that feast that we talked about with Belshazzar in our last yeah. episode yes. in Daniel 5, Daniel 4, I desecrating, think. Daniel 5. Desecrating the the holy, the holy set-apart mm-hmm. place that God had. Yeah. yeah. He even went so far, Delaney, as sacrificing a pig, of course, which you know is unclean, an unclean animal At to the time, Jews, yeah. on the altar of the Jewish temple. Mm. Then he took it even further. He outlawed circumcision, which was God's sign on God's people, yeah. and any worship of Israel's God. You know, this is full-blown anti-Semitism. Yeah, and it's like blatant mockery of God. The one like, true God. Mm-hmm. You, yep, it is. It's There's a very poignant verse here in, uh, in verse 12. That truth was thrown to the ground during this time. Mm. I have quoted that so many times in the last few weeks. Wow, yeah. Truth has been thrown to the ground. Mm. That's a powerful statement. Isn't it? Yeah. And I don't think it takes much for us to take and relate that to where right our culture is today. They're throwing truth to the ground, mm. and the result is, you know, a dishonoring of God. Mm-hmm. Now, in these, in the angel's interpretation, which comes in this chapter with the vision, this evil leader, it, he says, will cause devastation. He's going to be very successful for a time and cause deceit to prosper. So the truth is thrown to the ground, and deceit is going to prosper. Lies. Lies about God, lies about what is true and what is not, what is righteous, what is unrighteous, what is holy, what is not. Wow. And it also says that he will consider himself superior. Wait, so you're saying that this time in our culture, that this all this debauchery and all this throwing truth <laughs> to the ground, this has happened before? It has. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I know. We always think it's the worst when we're in the, the moment of yeah. time, but yeah. it's been this way. And yet scripture says in verse 25 that this evil person will be destroyed, but not by human power. So that, to me, says, and to many of the commentators feel the same way, that God dealt with him in his own way and destroyed him. Like took him out. Took him out in his own way. We don't know how, but it was judgment upon him. Well, we see that throughout scripture. And there are some people, you know, even in the recent years that have been like, you know, false teachers that I have wondered if God took them out or dealt with them in his own way. Yeah, he can and he will. He not can. always, though. Yeah, and not always on earth. No, and sometimes these evil leaders can be our judgment. Yeah. And he doesn't remove them because yeah. he sets them up and removes them. Now, the angel tells Daniel this is in the distant future, which was about 300 years in the future for the mm. Jews. The Jews would be back in the land and this great persecution would happen. And Daniel after this vision, was literally sick over this for several days. Do you think he was sick over the, like, the mockery of the temple? Like, what do you think it was that made him sick? Well, remember, he's living through some very tragic, hard times for the Jews in Babylon. And now he sees this vision in 300 years, they're going to go through this? Yeah. Probably would have been overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming. And and again, the desecration of God and his temple. Mm. The mockery. That's what I think yeah. part of it too. Like yeah. Danny had such a high view of God and reverence of God. I think this would have, yeah, made him sick. And I think sure. these visions were not like, oh, I had a dream, huh? No. I think it was, he went through this and he experienced yeah. it yeah. as it happened. Yeah. Like he was, it felt like he was there probably. Right. Yeah. Right. If you ever woke up from a dream, be- your heart beating. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So he, he literally lived it. So what we know from history is that a Jewish rebellion occurred after this evil person came into Israel, and it was led by the Maccabees. Mm-hmm. And the Jews reclaimed the temple and the Jewish way of life. Um, as someone said, God will always win in the end, and he does. Amen. And, of course, the Jews still celebrate this with Hanukkah. Yeah. Is that where this comes from? That's yes, where that comes that's from? The, yes. Hanukkah comes from, from this, the regaining of the uh the grounds for Jews in the Holy Land hmm. and the temple. That's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. So let's look at present day. History and present day can relate to this time in the history of the Jews. Anti-Semitism is always lurking. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have some Jewish friends, actually quite a few, who live what I would say cautiously and discreetly because of this constant threat. Mm-hmm. And I just want to ask the listeners, is this in your heart? Yeah. You really can have um, uh, a wrong attitude towards the Jews. Mm -hmm. And you have to guard against that. Yeah, amen. Second, we see here, we can relate to this because not only are the Jews persecuted, but also Christians today all over the globe are being persecuted and martyred for their faith. Mm -hmm. We know from other prophecies in the Bible that There will be persecutions for those who stand firm in Christ, who are resolved. Mm -hmm. And they increase as the time of Christ's return draws ever nearer. Which should also give us hope, too, because as a persecution grows, that means we're getting closer and closer to Christ's return. I know. I think about that. I really do, Delaney. When I start to feel hopeless, I, I say, okay, you know, I can't just put my head under the rock, mm-hmm. but I, I want to be a part of what's good in this culture and share the gospel and try to bring the good and pray for revival. Mm-hmm. But I also know in my heart that, you know, it's this increasing evil, evil times does precede, yeah. you know, when the hearts of men grow cold. But we can have a resolve to hope. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And we should. Yeah. We should as God's people mm-hmm. and bring that hope, which is the gospel yes. to those around us. So we can't give up. Don't give up and don't lose that hope. But how are we handling the persecutions against our faith right here now in America? I wonder, I wonder, are we cowering? Are we being silent without a witness to the gospel message that the world so desperately needs? That's the solution. They need Christ. Mm-hmm. They need the gospel. Are we afraid because we have been bullied to keep religion out of the public square and to keep it, quote, personal? Mm. I think we have been bullied. Yeah. I think we have been bullied. Hmm. Do we care about those who are suffering for their faith? We may not know them personally, but they are brothers and sisters in faith. Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember those in prison as if if you were together with them in prison, Hmm. and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. Yeah, that's the body of Christ. It is. Mm -hmm. And finally, this prophecy, which was fulfilled 300 years later, reveals for us that God, here are the major lessons of Daniel again, that God is the only true God and that he rules over the past and the present, bringing all things under his sovereign plan. God's fulfilled prophecy should give us great security in knowing God's word is true. Many have come to faith just by realizing that God, his prophecy comes true. I, when I was 
uh, in a class years ago, a Bible class, uh, um, a Jewish woman came to faith as she looked at the result and the truth of fulfilled prophecy. It's mm-hmm. a powerful witness. It is. And it, that's, I mean, think about all the prophecies that were, that Christ fulfilled. Even that, like it gives like the historical accuracy of the Bible just gives another like evidence and proof of its truth. Yeah. So as you see these prophecies and as we see them come about, remember this is this is one of those things. It's a marker. It's mm-hmm. it's another um, sure thing to point to the true God and to Christ, His one and only Son. Mm-hmm. Well, Delaney, there's so much in this book. There's so much. We've just scratched the surface in these first three podcasts, but we've got more to go, and we're really excited about that fourth podcast coming up. We'll have Jess Verdorn here in the studio with us. And we are going to dig a little deeper. I know he's going to take us deeper. Into end times. Into end times. And he's the guy we want to hear from. So, Delaney, can you wrap up for us today's podcast? And what is your takeaway? And then would you pray for us? Yeah, I think, I mean, to wrap up the podcast is resolve. (laughs) There you go. Is that surprising to anybody? You can't get, we just can't get away from that word. Yeah, I think resolve to have reverence for God, resolve um, to hope. Mm-hmm. In like, desperate, ungodly times. Yeah. I mean, there are, there, there's so many things that we can pull from these chapters where, you know, we need to, we need to dig our heels in here and we need to sometimes dig our heels in to have hope. Like sometimes hope is just not a thing that um, comes very naturally to us. And so we need to make a choice deep in our heart that I'm going to have hope in Christ's coming. I'm going to have hope that evil will only exist for a time. And I, and I want to have hope that today, um, as God calls me to um, serve in his kingdom, that it's going to make a difference. Amen. I don't want to be a, a, you know, a person who just everything's negative. That's not having hope. No. Resolved to have joy. Yes, yes. And <laughs> suffering. In the midst. Amen. Well, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you um, for who you are. I thank you that you give us these glimpses into your throne room, um, that you are the one who purifies us of sin, that you have even allowed us to be in your presence through Christ, Lord, is just the most unbelievable gift. And so I pray that we would be more in awe of you reading these passages of scripture. I pray that you would help us um, resolve to have hope in you, to resolve to have joy, to resolve to be obedient when it feels like the world is caving in. God, we know that your kingdom is eternal and that you are have control and you've never lost it. And so I pray that you would give us that perspective today. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us next Monday on She's Becoming.